This is Kate Beckinsale. You're listening to Beckinsale. The key to entertaining listeners is the category show. It's a good non-specific episode type. I'm a big believer in it. A lot of people tell you that a bracket battle is a better choice, but if you get angry Joel, you can make a listener uncomfortable. That's worse than the Star Wars sequels. You choose an answer, <laughs> and as you explain your choice, moaning and wailing about how difficult it was to pick just one. It's a little childish and stupid, but then so's our podcast. Bacon cell. <laughs> That's completely accurate. I love category shows. And then brackets get all the credit. Yeah. Hey, Joel, I'm raising my hand. Yes. What was that reference? Oh, it's Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, yeah, yes. it is, isn't it? Yes. I actually had to memorize that monologue when I was in high school. Really? And I had to, got to, to audition. And uh, so it's hard not to go to that with this parody version. But welcome to Big Cell. I'm Joel. I'm Kent. And I'm Zach. We'd like to thank you for listening to our last show, our Star Wars quiz last time. Valerie loved this. Ilgith says, this was so fun. I'm a Star Wars fan, but a lot of those questions were out of my league. Me too. It's okay. This summer, I'm making sure my kids have a proper Star Wars education. We watch a movie each Friday afternoon. I plan to go back and watch the live-action TV shows after we're done with the movies. This episode convinced me that we should also add the Clone Wars TV show. I agree. It's, okay. a, good, it's a good family watch. It's and good. she listened to the end of an episode. I'm yes. proud of her. Yeah. Good job. And on Twitter, Crew Dutler says... You know when there is something funny and it's funny because it's new and then it keeps going and gets less and less funny, but then it keeps going even longer and all of a sudden it gets even more funny than it was originally? Well, that was the acapella outro, in my opinion, <laughs> of Joel and I just going off obnoxiously Because they were doing minutes. their math over there and we were I was jealous. I wanted to sing too. Really? That was, uh, that was magical, Joel. Thank you for that. Magic. It was so great. And then uh, just just a lot of love here uh, for the art. Good job, Kent. Uh, good job, us. Good job, everybody. Yeah, uh, the uh, we, we posed outside <laughs> middle of the night. <laughs> that was the most takes we've ever taken. Yeah. for a for an episode image because <laughs> Kent's like, oh, the lightsaber didn't look right here. Let's get the lightsaber. You got to right. get it perfect. It was worth it. It was worth it. And of course, Kent had the red one. I think Chris pointed that out. Oh yeah, yeah. of course. Uh, but at DC Foster on Instagram said, "Tumbling mustard, you're giving off Obi Wan vibes in this photo." Thank you for noticing. I didn't. I like did my hair specifically for this photo. I'm just glad somebody noticed. Thank you. Oh, we have a new patron upgrade this week. It's Matt Edwards. Matt, thank you so much. Uh, he went from a tier three. All the way to a tier one. Yes, tier one. He gets access to the behind the bacon posts where you get to see alternate takes of images. Ken yep. posted a bunch of Australia photos of Sorry. him almost kissing a kangaroo and yeah. then murdering it. <laughs> uh, I assume those two are right Context. one right after the other, right? Sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so yeah, congrats, thanks, Matt. So thank you. Thank you, Matt, for, uh, for joining us uh, as a patron and for upgrading. We appreciate you. We do. But that's not what we're talking about today. What are we talking about today, Zach? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, it gets me every time. We're talking comedies. Make them laugh. Make, make them laugh. laugh. It's so hard to talk about comedy. Is it's got to, like, I feel like we're, we're naturally hilarious here, right? But if we're talking <laughs> about, like, this movie is so funny because the writing is good. Let me, let me read you one of the jokes. Right. No, but I think we can talk about these movies as funny, but then also just discuss them as good movies. Yeah. Like we do with a horror. Like, of course. We're not scaring anyone with our horror descriptions. Maybe. In fact, well, we've done a couple shows like this before where we did episode nine. What? Nine. 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 This show is a disaster. We talked about uh, disaster movies. Sure. I, I, I didn't get a chance to listen to that before doing this, but I, I'm going to. And then episode 30, the show is a nightmare that was all about horror. 
And so, so we start off early, and we're like, let's give it a couple year break, like six. <laughs> <laughs> but now we're back, yeah, and we're discussing comedies, which I think is interesting because Kent, you don't like regular right. comedies. We talk about this fairly often. Yeah. I don't like straightforward. Hey, this is a comedy. Like I'm you trying to be laugh. funny. Yeah, you, this is a laughing. For thing. me, the comedy needs to be hidden. In fact, you're going to hear that in my choices. It's generally a different genre mixed with comedy. If there's a movie that makes me guffaw, yeah, I may laugh once, especially if I'm in a crowded theater. Like, it's it's fun to share that moment. Mm-hmm. Sure. But when I'm by myself, even sitcoms, I go, hmm, hmm, That's like, that's the most I will laugh at a sitcom unless I'm with someone else sharing that moment. Okay. And so, no. But I, you used to like straightforward comedies. Uh, back in the day, yeah. So yeah. what happened? When did you decide your heart no longer felt joy? He saw Fight Club. I saw Fight Club. No, truly, I wow. saw a movie with depth. I went to a film class in college, and they made me watch really slow, boring movies. And I said, oh, yeah, so, mm-hmm, yeah, so here we go. Oh, and I stopped. And granted, there are some comedies that I feel are hilarious, and they're in-your-face comedies with shock value. That said, I will not seek them out as much. Some of my least favorite movies of every year are comedies that don't work. So, yeah. Interesting. (sighs) Whereas I am... uh, Comedy and and horror are like my two favorite genres. Mixed together, even better. That's a very difficult thing to do, but when they do it right, it is fantastic. It's funny you say that because I mentioned the theater experience. When you're seeing these these with more people, Mm -hmm. it's a better experience. Oh, yeah. Comedy and horror is definitely what you should see in movie theaters because then you get the whole audience vibe going together and you're either all scared Mm -hmm. or you're all laughing together. Right. You watch a drama and everyone's just sitting there going, "Mm, I'm making my critical notes. (laughs) (laughs) You've been to too many movies with me. (laughs) I feel a notepad there. (laughs) But I love a good comedy. In fact, I've I've highly enjoyed the research we've done for this show because I just got to throw on the movies that make me laugh yeah i love having a good laugh and these are usually light-hearted and and uh, entertaining stories with quick-witted stuff that you get to see in background jokes and foreground jokes and i'm a big fan of so good replay value for you too totally and my comedy section is the biggest section of a biggest genre i own like the ones that i bought Mm -hmm. i can tell because they're on the shelves and like the comedy one takes up the most space yeah so that's definitely probably my forte but man i love a good comedy uh, what on your list? What is the newest movie? The newest movie yeah. on my list. Same thing for you, Ken. Of owning or enjoying? No, of, of when it came out. Like, like of what we're going to talk about today. What's your newest? I've movie? got a 2010s. That's probably oh, the newest recent. one. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's still the 2010s within the last decade. Yeah. I have a couple 2010s. Okay. Yeah. I I don't. Really? Yep. Do you feel like comedy's dead? I don't know. I think comedy's. Pretty much did. Like straightforward comedies? What if we had a straightforward comedy that people have really enjoyed recently? Uh, Palm Springs. Straightforward comedy? Yeah. Hilarious. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but also under the okay. radar. Like, you know, Sundance and then sure. Hulu. Okay. Well, it they, wasn't like a mainstream release. Uh, yeah. It's just, I think the way that comedies have gone. Uh, um, Even that's sci-fi comedy. Most popular comedy. How do I say this? Most popular comedies don't appeal to us, I think. Because it's maybe more a little juvenile? bit more crass, juvenile. Well, that's that's the problem, is that if it's a live-action comedy, it's going to be crass. Yeah. Most comedy has moved to animation true. now, where I feel true. like they're just that's family really movies. Like you At get most, Pixar's and Disney's and yeah. all those. That's where the comedy has gone. That's a good point. Uh, I think rom-coms and comedies have kind of lost their value nowadays. Can they come back when people are less sensitive, maybe? Oh, absolutely. I think so. I think the movies comes in waves. Right now, it's the nostalgia superhero wave. Sure, yeah. And uh, I think once those kind of die down, it'll make room for the next genre to, to star. The Western. They'll come back. back. I would love it to be Me back. too. Yeah. 50s and 60s. 
Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump in. We have uh, just a few categories today. Might have our tight hour show, Joel. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Yes. But go ahead and start us off, Joel, with your favorite coming of age comedy. It should be no surprise because I used it in my intro. It's Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. Okay. And I've talked about this movie before um, a few times on the show because Ferris Bueller's Day Off for a long time was my number one favorite movie. Like number one. Yeah. It may still be. Is this a Cameron coming of age story or a Ferris coming of age story? It's well, it's it's actually both. And okay. I, I watching it today, I okay, I should I should bring this back. If you don't know that's the story of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, because I found a lot of young ger- generation hasn't seen this movie. Sad. Uh, a high school wise, I hate this description, but it's just IMDb. A high school wise guy is determined to have a day off from school, despite what the principal thinks of that. <laughs> that's that's fairly, some, with some nineties yeah, attitude. Uh, directed by John Hughes, came out in nineteen eighty six. Stars Matthew Broderick, Mia Sara, and Alan Ruck. One of the reasons I absolutely love it because I, I say this knowing that that Kent's going to pick one of these movies, and I apologize for that. Okay, most coming of age movies are either very cynical mm-hmm. or very sexual. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, these crazy teenagers. They're I'm coming in bold, Joel. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the thing that I find most fascinating about Ferris Bueller's Day Off is that Ferris isn't a loser. He isn't an outcast. He's actually quite popular. They have a whole speech about all the people he's popular with. Yeah. But he's also a super nice guy. Like, he's not popular because, like, he's not a, a mean jock, but he's nice to everyone. Everyone loves Ferris. Everyone wants to save Ferris. Everyone is looking at him. And, like, you, you see all these normal coming-of-age stories and it's all about, oh, this is the person that doesn't fit in. Right. Ferris totally fits in, and yet he's just a good person. Is he an unrealistic movie character for the 80s? Because he doesn't mm. quite fit the trope, right? No. Especially in John Hughes movies. No. Like, they yeah, even other John Hughes the tropes. Exactly. Right. But that's why I find so interesting about it is because he, he undercuts this idea of what high school can be like. Sure. But he... Uh, or not going to high school can be like. Yes, because all he wants is just a day off. He just wants a little freedom. And I think even if you're not in high school, you can relate to that. I did explain it to someone. It's kind of like Phineas and Ferb because you have... He's already laughing. You, you have this guy. You have this I know, guy I get it. Who just kind of... You have, you have the main guy who's kind uh-huh. of talkative and, and funny and, and quick-witted. And he kind of does this crazy stuff. And a silent buddy who's there with him the whole time. And then you have the sister who's constantly trying to bust them. But things just work out. And for, for Ferris Bueller, they just work out the whole time. I absolutely love this movie. He wrote it... John Hughes wrote it in less than a week. Wow. He, he was trying to get it done. I think a writer's strike was coming, if I remember right. And he just And it's so tight. Out. Well, like it, it's enjoyable from start to end. The original runtime was two hours and 45 minutes when he got it done. Woo. And then he decided to cut it down, which is okay. really easy because they wear the same outfits basically the entire movie. She's so like, pull this out, switch this here, move this around here. And it turned into kind of this, this love letter to Chicago that he wrote. Mm-hmm. And it made me, every time I watch this, I just feel like positive and uplifted. There's a parade scene in the middle of it. That I just, I, I was working as I was watching it, but I just stopped and watched the parade sequence because I'm like, I love this so much. This was the 10th highest grossing movie of 1986. And I think the chemistry between the three characters is great. And the coming of age part, like for the most part, it's just these kids goofing around. Yeah, true. Um, but there's a part near the end when they start talking about, look, we're both graduating from high school. We're going to go our separate ways. My girlfriend's still going to be in high school for one more year. I don't know what's going to happen there. And he realizes he has to grow up. Yeah. But... It's kind of that touching moment at the end where you're like, yeah, this does make a difference. And there's growth that characters make. I absolutely love this movie. If you haven't seen Ferris Bueller's Death, I highly recommend it. It is so choice. It's amazing. Oh, it's a it's good so choice. It's, 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 a, cool. it's a good choice. Yeah. Great. 
What about you, Kent? Mine is from 2013, and it's not Ferris Bueller's Day Off. No, it's not. It's definitely not. It's The Way, Way Back. I like oh. that one. It's so good. So shy 14-year-old Duncan goes on summer vacation. It's a summer vacation movie. This is so common in the genre. Goes on vacation with his mother, her overbearing boyfriend, and her boyfriend's daughter. Having a rough time fitting in, Duncan finds an unexpected friend in Owen, manager of the Water Whiz Water Park. So this is Duncan. He is what you consider the movie trope of... A loser, quiet kid. His mom's boyfriend puts him down all the time. Steve Carell, right? Steve Carell. Yeah. He plays a jerk in the movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tony Collette, who we've talked about a lot recently. Maybe mm. we should retire her soon. We've talked about her a lot no, lately. keep praising Tony Collette until okay. she gets that Oscar. Yeah, but she plays this mom who is just trying to kind of keep this new family together. But this kid doesn't belong anywhere. And so he just wanders into this water park. And that's where the fun begins. This is where the fun begins, basically. Mm -hmm. This is written and directed by Nat Faxon and Jim Rash. And uh, Jim yeah. Rash is Dean, Dean Pelton. And they're so Did somebody say Dean. They're so funny. They make I mean, they're horrible characters in this movie. Mm -hmm. And the movie belongs to Sam Rockwell. And he yeah, plays like a mentor type. Yeah. And he plays like this lovable loser who's never been able to reach his potential because he just doesn't want to. And I feel like this is coming of age, not only of the kid. And we can all have that like dream of being like, yeah, if I went away for the summer and worked at a water park, would I get self-confidence? But then you could also, for whatever age group you're in, you could relate with Tony Collette, Sam Rockwell, any of the characters. Yeah. And Anna Sophia Robb is in here, does a great job. Yeah. This movie... I need to watch this one again. Isn't a straightforward comedy. The comedy is more found, like there are funny lines, but it's a situational comedy, but also there's, it's a little dark at times too, mm -hmm. but it's... I love it. I absolutely love it. I think it's a great pick because it is definitely one of those coming age of coming of age movies that, I mean, doesn't focus on teenagers being idiots, right? And that's that's one thing I like is like when you have a, a coming of age movie, a lot of times they want to make the teenage teenagers kind of nuts. Nor is he too smart for his own good. Yeah, he just seems like a kid. Yeah, nice. Zach, I, I haven't seen this movie. I oh, you should. To. Yeah, I also didn't see the movie that uh, that I actually picked until. Three hours before we recorded this oh, episode okay. today. Wow. I had I didn't have a really strong pick for this. I, I thought about Superbad initially. I'm yeah, like, that would be a choice. Ah, it's, that it's, would be a choice. It's a choice. <laughs> it's a choice. I thought about Easy A. I'm like, ah. That's another fine, choice. And then, uh, and then I had this one suggested to me, and I went, oh, I've never actually seen it. And it, it seems like a bit of a crime. This is from 1993. I'll give you the synopsis. In the summer of 1962, a new kid in town is taken under the wing of a young baseball prodigy and his rowdy team, resulting in many adventures. I had never until today seen The Sandlot. Oh, what? Ever. And wow. I watched it for the first time three hours ago. And, and? I gotta tell you, I don't know what I was doing. This is a great movie. It is a great I movie. I love it. So you're at that point. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we all yeah. get to that point where we all appreciate Sandlot, right? It's great. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't watch it as a kid. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, going through and watching this movie that's uh, directed by David Mickey Evans and starring the, the kids in Sandlot, um, it it was just so honestly nostalgic for a time period I never even lived in. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I was like, oh, I... I but well, we've all had those, the 50s those summers, those, those times when we've been able to play in the backyard or yeah. in the park and just... Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're like looking back, you know, it's, it's the story of an adult looking back and I'm like, oh, I'm an adult now. Dang it. Uh, and <laughs> you look back and go, man, just playing with your friends, going this, and, and just causing trouble. I and, mean, that's to date ourselves, but this came out when Kent and I were yeah, right around yeah. that age. 
And so it's interesting to watch it as that's got to be interesting to watch it as an adult. Yeah, I've never seen it before. I mean, I've seen it, it's omnipresent in pop culture. You know, I've seen when you yeah, you've, scenes. You've been hearing about it forever. Right. That I didn't know to the annoying. I point. knew that was in Sandlot. Yeah. But well, and I, I probably much like I've never seen the Goonies and I won't watch the Goonies. What? Because people have hyped it up too much. And I'm like, there's no possible way it can it can maybe reach but that in my now mind. Now that you have kids, you got to watch it through kids eyes. Yeah. And, that, and that's going to give me a lot of opportunity to do that. And this one, uh, I honestly watched it almost screening it for kids night. And I don't know that we're quite there yet. On oh, this no. movie. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a little it's a little more saucy than I remember when we threw it to our kids like, oh, hey. Yeah. Like maybe like a 12 year old probably. Yeah. yeah but uh, anyway, I just so watching this movie. Um, and you know it being like baseball season and just be like summer it just it feels like an awesome summer when you're a kid and it's such a good time and then you see them you know become friends and you know meet Mufasa and it's just it's <laughs> it was so much fun <laughs> took me a second it's a crossover <laughs> took me a second I got it uh, and, and again I, I don't know why I decided not to watch this I didn't grow up with it uh, but I'm so glad I did even in my advanced age yeah, uh, great choice. The Sandlot. Oh, man. Man, positivity. Yeah. All right, our next one is the best comedy sequel, if that exists. Because, I mean, they've tried a lot in the past 10 years. Yeah. Uh, Especially Anchorman. bringing things back. An- Anchorman, Anchorman, Anchorman 2. 2 another Dumb and Dumber sequel. Like, it, it just feels like previously. The, the problem with Zoolander comedy two. sequels uh-huh. is that once the jokes are done... Then when you do another sequel, it's like, yeah, it's the same jokes. Yeah. We're kind of done with this. Yeah. I feel like animated movies do this really well, though, because they generally get better animation, better budget, and the jokes grow up with the viewer as well. And so they usually win out here. But I chose, from 1993, Adam's Family Values. What? Yeah. Because I was looking wow. for a sequel that transcends the original. Oh, Really? You think, you think values transcends the original Adam's family? I do. 100%. I do. Hmm. I, so I recently... They, now the first one is awesome. It is. It's awesome. But guess what? Whenever I think about the Adam's family franchise, I think of this movie. Because of Joan, of Joan, Joan Cusack. Cusack. Fester's She's story in this so one good. is so good. So what about Debbie? <laughs> the synopsis is the Adams family try to rescue their beloved Uncle Fester from his gold digging new love, a black widow named Debbie. I watched this with my kids two months ago and I was like, kind of cynical. I'm like... Yep, I loved Christina Ricci for years because of this movie. Yeah. And I'm watching it and I'm going, A, this is a little dark. B, why is this so funny? Is this funny? And I just kept on I laughing. I watch it again. It's and been a I, long it, time. It's because it really is just a look at the eccentric rich. Like, I believe that the Adams family could exist just because they have so much money and can do whatever they want. Yeah. <laughs> that, that this is feasible. That it we could just happen. watched the original Adams family uh, not too long ago. Oh, good. You, with, yeah, you with the kids the for Pizza yeah. Movie Night. And I tell you, Morticia and Gomez, they, um, uh, they, yeah. they, they enjoy each other's company. Yes, uh-huh. they do. And to the point where I was kind of like, look at my wife, like, we good with this? She's like, oh. and it's far more clever than you think. Like, because they have Adams family cartoons now and they're <laughs> bad, right? But even the focus they have on the light around Angelica Houston's eyes. Yeah. They're, like, they're not, they're, they're trying to be a little cheesy. She's my 100%. second favorite Morticia Adams. Second? Yes. I like you the, love original. the original. Okay, I'll give you that. Yeah, the original I TV love show. Angelica me. Houston. Raul Julia being a very serious Gomez. Yes. But also ridiculous in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of my favorite uh, is, it's in that movie where they have the Fester's uh, uh, bachelor party cake. Mm-hmm. Like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. There's supposed to be like a, a, a beautiful woman in there. Jumping out of the like, cake. Lurch. 
did you put that poor girl in before you baked? <laughs> like, oh, just and here we are, like kind that. of giving lines, right? Like Joan Cusack meets the family, and she looks at Gomez, and she goes, yeah. "Isn't he a lady killer?" And he goes, "Acquitted." <laughs> <laughs> like I know it's out of context, but I'm like, that's so funny. And we haven't even talked about summer camp. Summer yeah, camp. The summer, summer camp counselors is why that's because you have me. the darkest kids ever, especially Wednesday. In a very positive, happy-go-lucky Ugly's the place. turkey. Eat me. It's so, so funny. And there's a love story. And Christina Ricci back in the day is perfect. Mm-hmm. I think this movie is genuinely hilarious. Wow. I know. I would well, not expected that from you, Kent. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good pick. It's a good pick. Mine uh, also comes from 1993, and it's Adam's Family Values. Yeah, really? My, my <laughs> very same pick. Yeah. Wow. It's mine boop, as well. Boop, boop, boop. Boop. Yeah, I, uh, I was thinking about comedy sequels, and this is... is one that I do think uh, it, it's better than the original. Mm-hmm. I think it's more f- be specifically as a comedy because it grew it's into more itself. Fun. Yeah, yeah. I need to watch it again. It's been so long. It's it, I, and I, I think this is made. I remember just not liking Pubert. Yeah. Pubert's weird. Pubert's weird. But <laughs> I think it's made Pubert's by no having an awesome People villain. No uh, having an awesome villain in Joan Cusack. Yeah, and uh, honestly, the pure dedication by Raul Julia as Gomez. Uh-huh. Like he get, he gives it in this role and it's it kind of it's again just so ridiculous. Um but I think is it's Is this one the MC Hammer song or is that the first that's one? That's the first one. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think he also may have done one for this. What they want to say. That's they want to play. But yeah, the camp counselors and the camp stuff in mm-hmm. general. Wednesday smiling all creepy and scaring everybody, making her like <laughs> brainwashing that. her with sound of music. Yeah. Like it's just there's so many ridiculous things and I think is aged extremely well. Uh and so if you haven't, Joel, check out. No, I've seen it. I just, it's been a long time. I also don't think it's locked down to Halloween. It's in any time. No, no, that is something yeah. sure. at any time. Yep. What do you have, Joel? <laughs> I have a, an ulcer and a stress headache. Oh, no. Why? Because what? This, this there's a lot of choices. Well, this is one of those where I went, oh, yeah, comedy sequels. And then I found three that I love. Are you going to save have the, two? Or well, are you going to give honorable mentions? A little bit of honorable mention. Okay. Because what happened was I had this. I had these three that I all gave the same rating to mm-hmm. um, and uh, that I really enjoyed. And I finally just decided to kind of use a magic eight ball. <laughs> my Wait, son's, you actually my did? Son's magic eight ball. <laughs> Yes. Wait, so you're like, hey, should it's, I? It's a good, good sh- borrow that. Should I do Zoolander Because I couldn't too. decide. Because <laughs> Ask again later. <laughs> I mean, these are the ones that didn't that didn't make it. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Okay, mm-hmm. yep. I, that I is one where that one too. I love uh, National Lampoon's Vacation. Yeah. And about, then European. You don't like European? It's okay. Big Ben, kids. Parliament. I, I liked it's, it a lot back in the day. I'm sure you did. <laughs> but like Vacation was so great. Yeah. European. Meh, it's good. And yeah. then Christmas Vacation, amazing. Vegas Vacation. Meh. No. Yeah. Uh, but. And then I also didn't pick Naked Gun Two and a Half, which yeah, was really difficult great for me sequel because it did like thirty three to third is terrible. Let's be real, does OJ tarnish it a little bit? Well, OJ, it's weird seeing OJ yeah. and laughing at his jokes. Yes, and so that was another one where I, I watched that one again and I laughed so hard. I need to rewatch it. it. It's been thirty years since I've seen it's it. It's still so funny. Okay, not ready for my kids to see it. Nope. Is that the one with the baseball scene? No, that's the first one. That's, that's the Naked first one. one. Yeah, but I ended up going with one that I know a lot of people don't agree with because. It's very poorly rated on both IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. But it okay. But it was a family favorite, and I grew up loving it. It's Fletch Lives. What? And I like Fletch because Lives. No, it's a good movie. It's not the original. No, that's the thing is I like both Fletch and Fletch Lives. Yeah. I absolutely like, but I think I ended up watching Fletch Lives more really? as a kid. Isn't it interesting how that happens? Yeah. I, like, similar with Adam's Family Values. I've seen it way more than the first yeah. one. So uh, synopsis of Fletch Lives. After receiving an inheritance in Louisiana, Los Angeles reporter Erwin Fletcher heads to the Belle Isle Plantation where he gets himself into into hilarious trouble. Oh, Hi, Jinx and Sue. 
Uh, and this is directed by Michael Ritchie, who's not really the guy as far as I know, but he directed the original Fletch and Golden Child. Got Chevy Chase in the in the lead role here. Uh, Arlie Emery, who's fantastic. Hal Holbrook. Mm-hmm. I think it's enter- as entertaining as the original, or maybe even a little more. Is Fletch Chevy Chase's best role? I think I think it Fletch is, cool is classic peak, for him. Yeah, peak yeah. Chevy Chase. Mm-hmm. I think is Fletch. I think it's peak Chevy Chase. Yeah, like right around this time too, because I think uh, National Defense Crucifixion was the same year, eighty nine. Uh, yeah, because Clark Griswold might be. Mm. It's it's it, that Between year was a good two. year for yeah. him. So I grew up watching this movie. It it definitely will offend some people. Uh-huh. Yeah, because there's some jokes about the South and Southern culture, and uh-huh. there's these neo Nazis that are driving around on motorcycles and being idiots, and there's the a scene with the with the KKK that is is making fun of them. Uh-huh. But it's a way that I kind of went, could they do this today? Can they make a movie like you this You could today? not have a movie like Fletch today. Yeah. And I've, I've read a couple of the, of the Fletch books by Gary McDonald or Gregory McDonald. This has nothing to do with any of them. They had a whole <laughs> series of books they could have used, and they just make up this new one. Are they more thrilling than comedic? There, or is it straight up comedic? It, it's, it's basically like the first movie. Oh, the okay. first movie is one of the books, and it's pretty close to what the book is. Hmm. They're actually really quick reads, kind of highly entertaining little vulgar at times. Sure. But I think that Fletch lives. Watching it again, I can I grin almost the entire time. I can quote almost everything in the movie. You I, might be the only person on the planet that I can know, quote Fletch lives. But the Magic 8-Ball told me to pick this one. <laughs> so this is what I went with. Was, and I was actually surprised. Can we do every show that way from now on? <laughs> I was we'll surprised. do brackets that way. <laughs> I was surprised by how many, I mean, not how many, but just how many comedy sequels were out there that I liked. There's a uh-huh. lot of terrible ones, but sure. there was a bunch where I kind of went, oh, this one, that one, this one, that one. But these three all together were, were just hard to pick. All right. Next up, we have the acquired taste comedy. What's an acquired taste? An acquired taste would be just something like, you may not like it on the first viewing, well, it's, but it's, eventually it's, it's not for everyone unless you consume it a lot. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Like eventually, if you keep watching it, you're going to end up finding it really Or funny. if it's late enough. Yes. Or, true. or and, if you're in the right mood with the right people. Yeah. And don't judge me, but that's exactly what mine is. This is a movie that I actually watched and we watched as a family shortly after it came out, uh, which was 2004. Uh, so I was like 14, 15 years old. Put on the movie, get a little while into it and shut it off. Nobody's really enjoying it. Nobody's liking it. It's kind of crass. And I have turned to liking this movie. It's a classic, a little bit tarnished by its sequel, and very quotable. It Mine is Anchorman, The Legend of Ron okay. Burgundy. Uh, yes. You watched that with your family? Yeah, it, it got turned off uh, after a certain newsroom scene. Uh, Ron Burgundy. <laughs> I know exactly which one yes, you think. Yes, yes. Uh, the summary is Ron Burgundy is San Diego's top-rated newsman in a male-dominated broadcasting of the 1970s, but that's all about to change for Ron and his cronies when an ambitious woman is hired as a new anchor. This is an Adam McKay movie before he was making, you know, satirical comedies. Uh, like he is now, starring Will Ferrell uh, with, you know, Steve Carell and uh, what's the other guy who doesn't age? What's Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. And this is such a dumb movie. It's Why is it better than it deserves to be, though? I think it becomes quotable. That's the thing with it. Oh, it's endlessly quotable. 60% of the time, it works every time. Or or singing Afternoon Delight, which we it's, have done on this show multiple at times. At this point, Will Ferrell was in a new comedy every two months. Yeah. Like, you could get tired of him pretty easily, but this role stands out. Well, it, it does. Was, it was a different character than he'd done before. Mm-hmm, it's true. Yeah. And I, this one I actually saw, I think, because Clean Flicks was having like a clearance sale or something. Sure. And I, Not Cougar Flicks? No. Okay. And I, I ended up buying it. And so I saw kind of the edited version of it, and I was kind of like, yeah, it's pretty funny. And then I ended up, I was like, oh, it's PG-13. I'll just give it a watch. And then I was like, wow, this is <laughs> really strong PG-13. Well, I'll tell you what's what's shocking is when you don't realize that you're watching the R-rated or unrated version. Oh. 
uh, which happened to me when I went to a buddy's house. And we're like, oh, let's watch Anchorman. I, was like, I know I know this one. That was the and beginning you, of the end for you, right? You start watching the scenes and I'm like, this is the part where he says, that's not what he usually says. Because they, they sincerely did so much improving and goofing around. Mm-hmm. They had enough footage to make two movies. So they just made a second version of it, not like a sequel. But this is a movie that, I, you know, Steve Carell's role as Brick Tamblin is <laughs> so ridiculous. Before yeah. he was like Steve Carell, right? He's playing this this goofy side character who has all these strange things, mm-hmm. you know. And then he's this insane character who then at the end it's like, oh, and he became a top advisor for the Bush administration, you know, little <laughs> jokes like that. Uh, that uh, it, uh, again, this becomes so quotable. And it succeeds. I don't dare watch it again. I'm gonna let it sit. It's still good. I'm gonna let I've it. I've watched it, it many memory. times. Yeah, I watched my clean fix version many yeah. times because I'm I'm scared because of Anchorman two. Like it, I saw I I shaved a mustache to go see Anchorman two. Oh, what a waste! And and you shaved a mustache? I shaved into a mustache. I should say. Oh, okay. Like I I, I you was just wearing, shaved the mustache. I just shaved. Yeah, okay. I shaved it and it was there. Right. Like I was wearing a mustache. I was so excited and I saw the movie and I was like, no, it was good. It was good. And once was, again, they they try to do the same joke. Like you have that random battle scene in the middle of Anchorman, which is out of nowhere and hilarious. hilarious. And, and the second movie they tried to do three it again, times and it's like, the size. Eh, the shark scene's very funny though in the sequel. Oh, oh yeah. yeah anyways, yeah. Uh, so anyway, Anchorman: The Legend of Ron Burgundy acquired taste for sure. But once I acquired the taste, it sounds it like acquired to the naughtiness of it, though. Or, or yeah, or just the absurdity. Yeah, you kind of start to accept that. Yeah, mm-hmm. screwball right? comedy kind of. I mean, you could also say, I guess they call it the um, mediocre American Man trilogy, which includes uh, Talladega Nights and then Anchorman Two. Yeah. Uh, so Talladega Nights to me. Very similar to this, even though it's a different flavor. Yeah. Same idea. Acquired taste can be really funny. Some very quotable. But uh, there you go. Anchorman. What about you, Joel? My pick for me, it's like a Zen thing. Oh, here we go. Like uh, how many taking baby, your time here. Like how many babies you can fit into a tire. <laughs> what? I mean, anything you guys? Huh? I am cheating a little bit on this one because I'm okay. choosing a trilogy of films. That's okay. I'm choosing Christopher Guest mockumentaries. Oh. So if you have not seen Waiting for Guffman, Waiting for Guffman Best in Show, Mighty, and Mighty Wind. Wind, they did make other ones like uh, Mascots don't, and Don't and see for consider. your consideration. It's, it's not fine. So it's not good. It's fine. Joel, I chose Waiting for Guffman as well. Did you? So I just got to jump in. I actually so focused on Waiting for Guffman. Yeah. Okay, yes. Because I feel like Best in Show is actually really accessible. You think so? Because a lot of people are, they are interested in the weirdness of Westminster. Of the dog but shows, yeah. local theater and the characters in Waiting for Guffman are so strange. Have you watched so, this recently? Yeah. Yeah. I own this one. And it's yeah. slow. It's, it's like so slow. It's but not that wow. slow. It's 84 minutes long. But, but, it's but long I'm smiling 84. the entire yeah. time. Now, if you haven't seen a Christopher Guest mockumentary, it, you need to know that these are... If you don't know who Christopher Guest is, uh, the husband of Jamie Lee Curtis, okay. he's the six-fingered man in yes, uh, Princess Bride, which is really weird because he's nothing like that. But he And he's also a member of Spinal Tap, if you don't know that. But these movies are improvised, meaning they give them a scene. They say, okay, here's the scene. You're going to be in this place talking to these people about this thing. Like, go. There's, there's an end goal to the scene. Yeah. But now talk. And they just do their thing. And so it's like these lines are made up on the spot. And, they fit. and they're all geniuses, They film right? like these. Yeah, they're all Catherine like Catherine O'Hara, Eugene Levy, Parker Posey. Fred Willard, John right. Michael Higgins, Michael McKeon, Jennifer Coolidge, Jane Lynch, Harry Shearer. These yeah. are all like they're comedians all that you love to see. And he keeps using the same people kind of in different roles. Waiting for Guffman is probably my favorite. That's one I'd focus on because yeah. it's this small town who's putting on a performance and they think they're going to make it to, to Broadway because yeah. this this guy named Guffman, Corky. 
Well, well the yeah, director yeah. Corky, but this guy, Mick Guffman, is coming to see their play. And Corky St. Clair, played by Christopher Guest. Mm-hmm. It's the day of the show, y'all. He's hilarious. I love so many of his lines. And I just, I find this movie endlessly quotable and enjoyable. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about A Mighty Wind? A Mighty Wind is a folk, uh, folk music one mm-hmm. where they have this kind of, this, this famous folk musician dies and say, bring back all these different folk bands back together for one big concert. And I own the soundtrack and listen to it unironically enjoying it. Yeah. I really like the soundtrack of that one. I don't know that I've seen this one. Oh, it's so Because I've seen, for, I've definitely seen For Your Consideration, which is funny because um, Catherine O'Hara and that is kind of playing her character from Schmidt's Creek. Yeah. Well, I think this is the precursor to what the Levies did with Schmidt's Creek. Yeah. Like, yes. Oh <laughs> so I, I, because Schmidt's yeah, Creek is very popular at this point. And if you love that kind of comedy... Go back and revisit these. Seriously. Yeah. Waiting yeah. for Guffman. And it's so much fun, too. And and cleanliness-wise, Waiting for Guffman, honestly, is actually... It's a PG show. Yeah. But it's rated R because of one scene mm-hmm. where this guy goes... Like, they're doing auditions. He's like, I'm going to do a scene from Raging Bull. And then he just goes into this profane tirade. And they're yeah. horrified by it. Because why would you do that at a you know community theater audition? Right. <laughs> but if you cut out that one part, it's like a PG movie. And the way Christopher Guest does it is he films these scenes and just lets them kind of go for like 10 minutes... And then when he gets done, he has this like 90 minute film or not. I mean, no, so me. there were 58 hours of footage yes, that he I was got. Say, yeah. Like and he cut it down 90 to minutes of, 90 of minutes. Film. So he takes these huge things and cuts it down to the best stuff. And it makes it, the reason it's acquired taste is because you're watching this going, this comedy is slow. It makes no sense. But when you realize they're making it up on the spot, it's like I've said with improv no, before. Yeah. Improv is funny because you know they're making it up on the spot. If they were right, if it was scripted, it wouldn't be as funny. This has kind of the same mentality to me. Every joke ends in a deadpan way that is funny because it's awkward. Yes. yes. Similar to, once again, another TV show, The Office, right? Very mockumentary style. Yes. And you, you love these characters because they're so strange. And you bring up a good point that Office and uh, Modern Family and mm-hmm. Parks and Rec owe some debt of gratitude to Christopher Guest Absolutely. movies. Absolutely. 100%. Because these mockumentaries, even, even this is Spinal Tap going back even further, created this talking head genre where you believe these people are real, even though they're completely ridiculous. Yeah. Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy, and the, the, those they, they get a lot of credit. For me, the MVP is Parker Posey. She's so She's good. loves Parker so, Posey. So good. good in all of it. In fact, my like, kids hate Parker Posey because they've only seen her in uh, Lost Derek in Space. Queen. Yeah. And I want to go back and show them all these movies be like, no, we love Parker Posey. Yeah, we enjoy her performances. Yeah. She's awesome. All right. What about your favorite parody or satire? <sighs> Once again... I had to go to the Magic 8-Ball for this one. Yeah, don't yeah. steal one of my choices. I hope not to. Are but, you going to give uh, them all? Well, no, because obviously I could have put Shaun of the Dead here. Because it is a satire. We retired Shaun of the Dead. That's like the problem. Two years we, back. We've talked about Shaun of the Dead endlessly yeah. because it is like, if Ferris Bueller's my number one, Shaun of the Dead's my number two, and they battle for that sure. position. Yeah. But I didn't pick Shaun of the Dead because the Magic 8-Ball pushed me against that one. <laughs> I also, once again, the Naked Gun franchise. Uh-huh. I, well, I should say the first two. I don't like the third as much. Naked Gun is one of those where I'm like, they're spoofing the, the police procedural and it's hilarious. And every time I watch them, I laugh hysterically. But I decided to go with something that because they ball a little more targeted because I went with something that may be more topical right now. I went with Hot Shots. So good. Oh, so yeah. Hot Shots is a parody of Top Gun, if you don't know. A, a talented but unstable fighter pilot must overcome the ghosts of his father and save a mission sabotaged by greedy weapons manufacturers. Can we talk about a, a candidate for comedy sequel, though? I think part two might be better. Part two is good, too. I like it's more I Rambo-esque, like, I like obviously. part two. Yeah, and it doesn't yeah. work. But this one, watching Hot Shots again, man, the Chihuahua gag. <laughs> yeah. I laughed. I guffawed. I forgot it was about to happen. Then it happened, and I guffawed. My wife looked at me like I was a crazy person. And she shook her head the entire time she watched me. Like, this is so weird. 
because she watched a whole scene and she was like, wait, this is a comedy because they're playing it so deadpan mm-hmm. straightforward. And yet they are just, there's crazy stuff going on in the background and you got running gags the entire time. Like they're, they're lampooning dances with wolves <laughs> and Rocky and marathon man. Like they're, they're just taking all these pot shots at all these movies that were popular around that time. And it's just funny to me. I know it's a dumb movie. Yeah. I know it's a dumb movie, but it's a parody that makes me laugh. Oh, starring Charlie Sheen, I should say. And uh, Valerina, what's her name? Val- Valeria Golino. That's her name. Okay. She's Italian. She was in like mm-hmm. Pee Wee, Pee Wee's oh, okay. Big Top Pee Wee and this one. The, but, the breakfast cooking scene, which I didn't understand when I was a kid. <laughs> and when I rewatched Top Gun, I'm like, oh, that was totally different. I expected Hot Shots. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my brother watching Top Gun again, uh, Mike was watching Top Gun again, and he said, I forgot that in Top Gun, they don't talk to him in the plane and say your father was actually a hero. Yeah. That's in Hot Shots. And right. I'm like, yeah. yeah, that's in Hot Shots. So, yes, the jokes are quick. They're plentiful. This is, this is it's definitely dated, but I do enjoy Hot Shots and will. I, I, I laugh. It's my favorite. One of my favorite. It's my favorite Top Gun parody. Yeah. I'll say that. <laughs> there you go. Like, I think it's a genre that Mel Brooks really just crafted. Mm-hmm. himself but i think i feel like even though it's not the original i feel like the the forefather of this parody the satire genre mm-hmm. is airplane it's from airplane. 1980 that's yeah. your pick for sure absolutely yeah. this is is that your pick as well zach uh it's it's my honorable mention okay this is still one of the greatest comedies of all time yeah. can't, surely you can't be serious about this pick <laughs> don't call me Shirley. <laughs> <laughs> there are 2.6 jokes per minute in this movie it is so many non-stop and a lot of it this like sc- kind of like you you discussed we couldn't tell these jokes anymore. Oh, no. Yeah. But, but they could. It, it's nice about these screwball comedies where they were like, hey, yeah. let's just make fun of everyone and everything. Yeah. And what this is parodying is, is disaster movies. Specifically, there's a TV show called Zero Hour and then the uh, airport franchise, like Airport 1975 and yeah. stuff like that. And those were deadly serious. In fact, they put in the two leads in this movie and they made them play it serious. And then yeah. they got dramatic actors like Leslie Nielsen, Lloyd Bridges at the time, mm-hmm. and they said, okay, you guys are the funny ones. Yeah. I'm Even though clearly deadpan, but zany Leslie, I was going to say, Leslie Nielsen's comedic timing, timing is impeccable. And it was his first comedy, too. And he did a fantastic job. Oh, to the point where it became what I mean, he's known for. Yeah, right? he's in the Naked Gun series. And then even Lloyd Bridges yeah. was in Hot Shots as, as the, the admiral. That yeah. makes me crack up every time. Right, but this was done by the Zucker Brothers and Jim Abrahams, and it's just so good. Don't worry about the sequel. But this one is still, it's still funny, strangely, mm-hmm. even though it's very dated. Oh, yes. Right. Yes. But, but the autopilot. <laughs> the thing that gets me is the sight gags in this. Yeah. There's stuff that's just happening. Like, you just need to watch the whole frame because mm-hmm. goofy stuff's happening. Right. Like yeah. with the autopilot. Yeah, exactly. So, so ridiculous. And I think a movie that has almost been a little bit forgotten. Really? I think that more people need to, like they, the moments that don't call me Shirley and stuff, I think people remember but i don't think as many people have watched this movie recently right it's pretty funny like it, it was on really tv funny. about a month ago and i flipped it on and watched it for 20 minutes and laughed like three times awesome it's so fun if you're sensitive to those things watch the tv version because <laughs> there's definitely some shocking moments in the in the theater oh, yeah. version both of my options i had for this category i couldn't quite decide have been mentioned okay uh which one of them was airplane because again i think it's the classic but i'm going to specifically target 2000's best of show. Uh, I'm going the satire route, Mm -hmm. the mockumentary route, but uh, it's a behind the scenes look into the highly competitive and cutthroat world of dog shows through the eyes of a group of ruthless dog owners. You obviously don't know my dog. (laughs) This is, uh, this is a movie I watch every year. 
uh, um, on Thanksgiving. Oh, so I watch instead perfect. of the Westminster Dog Show, or like I watch it after a- the dog show. So <laughs> I watch the parade, the dog show, and the best of show in the evening usually. Nice, and it's just the the groupings of characters that they have. The uh, you know you've got the well, I think my favorite might be uh, Jane Lynch and Jennifer Coolidge. Yes, oh, yeah. they're just the, so the poodle. so ridiculous, and like their storyline through. We uh, both like soup, <laughs> but of course, uh, you know Eugene Levy, two left feet with yes. his two left feet, literal, God literally two left loves feet. Loves a terrier, like <laughs> that's so funny. And then yeah, of course Parker Posey and Michael Hitchcock um, as the really. High strung yuppies. yuppies. They have to have the specific bee toy. Where's Busy Bee? Where's Busy Bee? And then uh, Fred Willard in this movie is just just a very eccentric (laughs) gay guy. Is so funny. Wait, Fred Willard is the comic. Oh, no, sorry. Who um, who am I thinking of? Fred Willard. John uh, Michael Higgins. Yeah, Fred Willard doing the color commentary. Being the the John O'Hurley, is that his name? Who actually does it? Being that character uh, is just so ridiculous. Because he has no idea what he's doing, but they still let him on the mic. Cracks (laughs) me up every time. Yeah, so so I, just endlessly funny to me um, in, in different ways and different layers. It's aging really well, I think, even though it's getting more ridiculous and you might not make this movie today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Best of Show. It's my favorite of the the trilogy, the air quotes trilogy. Yeah. yeah. Just because, again, I watch it every single year. I like Waiting for Guffman. I've, uh, maybe doing theater, make, uh, Waiting for Guffman. Did you me, feel attacked? It makes me uncomfortable <laughs> yeah. a little bit. It's like, yeah, that's pretty true, actually. It's like not funny because it's real. Uh, but uh, Best of Show actually made me go to a dog show. I have oh, yeah? I've wow. been to a dog show. I'll tell you what. It's kind of accurate. <laughs> there was this one guy who was there and he got an Afghan hound. It was a very like pointy nosed dog that uh, I believe was featured in 101 Dalmatians. Anyway, he had just purchased this dog and he just talking to her. He's like, I'm going to put a snood on you because we're a snood wearing family. Oh, and puts what this, is a like, snood? It's like a, um, almost Can like I a, get one? like a gator that people were wearing as like face masks, okay. but for dogs. Anyway, it was, uh, it was it was an eye opening experience that this might be a little more accurate than we're giving it credit for. I bet. But uh, yeah, my pick for uh, favorite satire would be Best in Show. Now we're gonna go with. It used to be funny, but it isn't really funny anymore. This is kind of the Kent category because I feel like I loved crass comedy back in the day. The '90s were a heyday for this for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, the '70s and all the naughty stuff was before my time mm-hmm. because it was just. Movies made to be naughty. Right. But then the 90s, it kind of came back around. There were a lot of teen comedies that were uh, suggestive but tame. But then one came out in 1999 that just hit the scene Uh and has like 17 sequels. It's American Pie. Ah. I can't really talk about family friendly. I can't talk about the synopsis (laughs) because even (laughs) in the synopsis, it's not family friendly. (laughs) Yeah. But there's a pact. We'll say that. And it's funny because the cast back then was young. They were likable. I mean, Tara Reid is likable in this movie, if that says anything. Jason Biggs. Yeah. Is, you know, he, he Sean was new to the Scott. scene. Yeah. yeah. Chris Klein. Yeah. All these people who you thought were going to go somewhere. No, nobody <laughs> did really any did. any of them go anywhere? Jennifer Coolidge. Allison Hannigan. <laughs> Allison Hannigan. Allison Hannigan. She was already in Buffy, though. And Eugene Levy, once again, he's probably the, the all-star of this show that we're, we're doing right now. He is, is a great guy in things. He, in he became the common link because he plays the, the, the worried father yeah. who is trying to give the talk to his son. And it's so awkward. And in fact, it's just unrealistic, completely campy. But back then, this movie was full of shock value and moments that were incredibly naughty 
And of course, I was 18 years old. So this to me the whole time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a good moment. That was awesome. High five my buddies. Thinking we were really cool because we like naughty comedy. I can't watch this anymore. No. And I look back at my 18 year old self. I'm like, really? Where was your taste at? <laughs> oh, I remember your favorite movie was Austin Powers. And the reason I didn't choose that movie is because there's still some funny moments. And because of the, the Bond watching we did recently, mm-hmm. I can see the satire in it. Yeah. So but, uh, American Pie, all of its sequels, I, I judge myself harshly for even laughing or smiling at the jokes. Uh, you actually just mentioned mine. Okay. It is the Austin Powers franchise. The franchise. Uh, there- I'm just going to go with all three. Are there no funny moments, Zach? There are funny moments, but I'm going to leave them in the past. Like, I don't want to watch So you this don't think the Dr. Evil and Scott dynamic is very funny? I, I think it's like, oh, yeah, he's spinning around in his chair. Like, I okay. remember when that was funny. Yeah. But I, and it very well could be oversaturation for me that I've mm-hmm. seen these movies too much. Um, so I specifically picked the first one, uh, Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, a world-class playboy and part-time secret agent from the 1960s emerges after 30 years in a cryogenic state to battle with his nemesis, Dr. Evil. This is, uh, and these are all directed by Jay Roach. Um, and it, this is a movie that I, I quoted all the time. This is back Everyone before, did. before you had like TikTok giving you a new thing every week yeah. that was funny. It was like, I literally had an entire summer that was dumb. So it was, would have been like a summer 2002, 2003 that was dominated by quoting gold member every single day to my friends. Like toy, I toy like a toy guy. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the, the movies, honestly, they're pretty consistent in quality throughout. Like I think all three are pretty solid, like in, in being the same, they all have funny moments. I like the bond connection specifically that, uh, it's tied mostly to you only live twice, which is like my favorite James Bond movie mm-hmm. just because of the hollowed out volcano layer and whatnot. Um, but it, it, I think it's maybe Mike Myers comedy that I, I just don't always feel like going back to. But this is a movie that I actually think of really fondly. I'm terrified it's not funny anymore. So I've decided, I decided. I started watching this one recently <sighs> and I got 30 minutes in. I was like, I'm good. I've decided to leave it in the past. I watched all three of them recently. And? And? We'll talk about it later. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I've, I've decided these, these were very funny. I liked them, but I've decided to move past them. I don't think they're that funny anymore. Uh, so what do you got, Joel? This is where I lose the listener because they're not going to know it. You guys aren't going to know it. But it's a recent experience for me. Yeah. When I was a kid, there was a movie called Saturday the 14th. Oh, yep. And it was a movie that was like a parody of horror movies. It has nothing to do with Friday the 13th. And I was like, it it popped up on like YouTube TV. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, Saturday the 14th. I remember liking that when I was a kid. I must have not been a very bright kid <laughs> because watching this ga- watching this again, uh, I'll just read the synopsis. A family inherits an old mansion, which houses the dangerous book of evil that has all the monsters of the world trapped inside it. And it's not good. This is 76 minutes long, which is probably about 73, 73 minutes too long. This yeah, is a, a joke, a one joke thing. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's like I was watching a rough cut of a film that never got finished. The story is absolutely confusing, makes no sense. The acting is terrible. It's this real husband and wife that are supposed to be like a comedy duo. I don't remember. Is it a good riff or satire on horror movies or slashers? No. And that's just it. Like it's called Saturday the Fourteenth, and, and I remember. I remember the tagline says, "You thought Friday the Thirteenth was bad. Saturday the Fourteenth is even worse." 
and or something like that. And I remember being like, oh, this is going to be like Friday the 13th party. Nothing to the Friday the 13th. Yeah. There's a spoof of like 30s and 40s haunted house movies. And the, the visual effects, there, there are some that are entertaining, but they all look hokey. It's a waste of time, but at least it's short. Bacon sale. I, I felt like... <laughs> Not in, short. <laughs> I felt insulted watching this movie because I was like, I liked this at one point. So like I said, no one's... No one has heard of it. No one's ever going to see it. No one should see it. But for me, it was a very eye-opening experience to be like, wow, Saturday the 14th is a terrible movie. Oh. Was you it like disappointing? What? Was it disappointing? It was because yeah. I kept being like, why did I ever like this movie? Like, Mr. Boogity is an Oscar winner compared to Saturday the 14th. <laughs> Do you like the musical numbers, though? Like, who are these children coming <laughs> down? That's, that's the wrong, down. That's wrong Saturday's, movie. Saturday's a warrior. Yeah. I feel like Saturday should be reserved for Saturday's Warrior. <laughs> it's a special they day. Should, they should trademark that day. Maybe. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have the comedy that makes you cry. Now, with this, I got to ask you guys up front. Did you go with it like a singular moment that makes you cry or something throughout? I did a whole movie. A whole movie. Okay. Mm. Mine's more of a singular moment. And I honestly, I just wanted to get a movie with this particular actor in here. Um, this is 1991's Father of the Bride, starring oh. Steve Martin. With his oldest daughter's wedding approaching, a father finds himself reluctant to let go. Um, is this a recent one because you became a father? I don't know. Maybe. I haven't seen this movie in a long time, but I've always found this movie so sweet at the end. I just watched it recently. Is it? Yeah. It still gets me. You cried? Yeah. still gets me. It's, I'm actually what, wa- like at the very end? I'm actually watching the old 1950s one now. It's been a long time. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's just got a, such a, a sweet uh, ending, and okay. you, especially because you're watching the sort of tension and stress of this whole experience. Of this mm-hmm. no two hundred and fifty ahead, like this this whole thing of this this dad stressing about the money and logistics, but really at his core, he's he's struggling with feeling like he's losing his daughter. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's that like gets me a little bit. Now I got a little girl at my house and. I'm a little bit worried about that too, and she's only three, so <laughs> yeah. it's it, yeah. So I, I I think this movie is sweet, but at the same time, I, I just needed Steve Martin on my list because I think Steve Martin's amazing, and there will yeah, be he is. other versions of the show, I'm sure, where I'll get to talk about the jerk, but uh, <laughs> but I uh, I think st- just Steve Martin's great, uh, immensely talented guy, and man, he he was on a string there of of super funny movies in the '80s and '90s, um, and uh, this one is funny but also has a lot of heart and i appreciate it I father agree. of the bread joel so i've talked about my pick on episode 43 how to lose how to lose a listener in 10 days uh-huh. i talked about it on episode 121 time after time travel uh-huh. i talked about it on episode 189 time to tear tear jerkers and i've talked about it on episode 234 decade dance drama edition i knew you'd pick this movie i still have never seen it it's what? about time it's about time it's about time you watch this because the movie is about time and a synopsis, at the age of 21, Tim discovers he can travel in time and change what happens and has happened in his own life. His decision to make the world a better place by getting a girlfriend turns out to be not as easy as you might think. And these IMDb synopsis are weird. Right. Uh, starring Domino Gleason, Rachel McAdams, Bill Nye, Margot Robbie in her first feature film role. And Kent, we talked about this before. A lot. This movie makes me cry mm-hmm. almost as much as it makes me laugh because there are there are parts of this where I will chuckle and just giggle. It's funny, though, because, I mean, this is a science fiction fantasy comedy drama, right? It's a romance. lot. A romance, yeah. exactly. It's, a, it's throwing a lot at you. And I would say the comedy comes early in the movie. Mm-hmm. And then when he gets the girl, you're like, oh, this is tender. And it gets really tender. At and the so end it kind of loses the comedy. And that's where the heart comes in. But it still has a really nice balance. This is your pick, too. And 
Yeah, but I'm changing my pick now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this is directed by Richard Curtis, uh, who did Love Actually as well. But he said he decided to write a film about how you achieve happiness in ordinary life. And I feel that's the heart of this movie mm-hmm. is that there, there's, some, there's some loss in this movie. There's some yeah. emotion in this movie. But at the end of the day, it lifts you up and affirms that you can find joy in everyday life. And it is absolutely, it's an amazing watch. I wish, I wish Richard Curtis didn't lean into the, the R rating too much because I feel like this would be an amazing kind of straightforward. This should be a mandatory movie, Zach. Yeah, a PG-13 I straightforward movie. I, I, when I was doing research, I saw this and I went, that's the pick. I know I, I've never seen it, but that's the pick. Yeah. And it is a comedy in the sense that there's parts my wife and I will just laugh together. Yeah. Because it's just funny. Just there's an interaction, just the interaction between Rachel McAdams and Domino Gleason is hilarious. And it balances the main character, Tim, out so well because he can time travel to get what he wants. Yeah. And in any other movie, they would make him a selfish character or I don't know, like a little devious or whatever, but Mm -hmm. he's still endearing the entire time. He's 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 still making good choices. Like a ginger Hugh Grant. Is this the one where. (laughs) Where he t- travels back in time and then yells at the army of stormtroopers? It's not that one. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. But yes, and then and then I, I, I cry endlessly when I watch this movie. And oh, then I man. call my dad and tell him how much I love him. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a definite tearjerker. Sure. It's why I chose it as well. But so I'm going to give my alternate for, for choice on difference. this one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Sing Street from 2016. Oh, really? Okay. That makes so, you cry? Uh, is it because of the relationship with the brother? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, oh, it's the very yeah. end of the movie because... Yeah. Honestly, this is kind of the same sort of sappy vibe that About Time has, where the writer Jay Carney, he balances like he hits you with comedy early and then he's like, but it's kind of a sad movie just about people living their lives. Like there is a a sad family story here, a lot of conflict, a lot of really fun music. So the the synopsis is a boy growing up in Dublin during the 1980s escapes his strained family life by starting a band to impress the mysterious girl he likes. This movie is so endearing. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. The more I watch it, the more I love it. Mm-hmm. It is less tear jerky than the uh, than about time. Tear jerky is a thing. Sure, uh, probably yeah. you can buy it at Maverick. Yeah, it's probably pepper tear jerky. Tastes delicious. Are you ready for tear jerky? <laughs> it's pretty yes. sa- pretty salty. <laughs> I've got to be honest. Uh, but the end of the movie really brings it home because it's been just telling you the relationship between two of these characters and then at the end it has a little message and you're like yep that was really special mm-hmm. so yeah. it's a good movie yeah good underrated choice. totally and the music is so fabulous good. drive it like you stole it love that oh, song yeah. riddle oh. of the model riddle of the model yeah so good all right next up we're gonna do the favorite foreign comedy we what we we we, we are we we, we are oh. uh i because i am doing something french I enjoy this French comedy more than many other movies out there. Is you, it? Got, you, got, you, got, you got a thought, Kent? Amelie? Totally Amelie. Okay. Oh, I thought I was thinking Untouchables. Untouchables is so good. It's so good. Know, what? I haven't seen that one. You it, need they, to watch they it. They remade it with uh, Brian Cranston and Kevin, Kevin Hart, Hart, but the French one's way better. Uh, no. Untouchables was another alternate for with the movie with the heart. Totally. Oh. Yes. So Amelie uh, is a French movie. came out in 20, er, 2001. Uh, synopsis is Amelie is an innocent and naive girl in Paris with her own sense of justice. She decides to help those around her and along the way discovers love. That was going to say this stars Audrey Tattoo before she was in Da Vinci Code. And <laughs> which they have the downfall. But it was supposed like to be like, so precious. That was supposed to be her breakout role. Yeah. And, and uh, she did fine in it. Uh, but this movie is absolutely enchanting, mm-hmm. like just quirky and quaint, quick and clever dialogue. Looks like a fairy tale. Uh, it, it, she Audrey Tattoo is adorable in this yeah. movie, but it's also just bizarrely funny, like 
different things that happen. Every person you meet in the movie that's like, this is their likes, this is their dislikes. Like he likes cracking the the top of a creme brulee and, and she dislikes the sound of this. And the way they explain it and the way it's done, it's this weird... It's, it might be, this is almost a pick for an acquired taste because it is one of those. It's French. Kind of, it's French. It's yeah. very French. We, oui. <laughs> uh, but also, and this may explain something, uh, pushing daisies, Brian Fuller, the creator of pushing daisies has stated th- that this is one of his sense. favorite Visually films of ever. And yeah. And matches. so pushing daisies emulates yeah. a lot of what happens in Amelie, but I love that this movie, uh, has this character who's lonely, but that she finds happiness in helping others and also messing with a jerk. Uh, but it's just, it's a blissful cinematic experience. And I was giggling the whole time because I was like, this is so ridiculous. I had my daughter, uh, watch it with me as well. Uh, I, I have the edited version. It's is rated yeah. R. It's a French. And if you take out a little bit of French, it's a PG movie, but we watched it together and she was kind of weirded out by it, but also I think she laughed a few times. So mm-hmm. I think she would enjoy it. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of good comedies out there, but I feel like Amelie has that pure comedic heart where it's just there to entertain and uplift. I'm going to actually give the experience. This was I, this movie came out in 2001. I think I watched it in 2003. Uh, it was about 2.30 in the morning. It's, and it's good for comedies. It's great for comedy. Yeah, Bad totally. for drama. Because I think I went and got some weird breakfast sandwich from Burger King. And then, uh, I promise I was not in any substances. And I started watching this movie. And it was the funniest movie I'd seen. And granted... You watched a foreign movie at 2.30 in the morning? Yes. And it's called Shaolin Soccer. Hey, oh, my Chow. gosh. Stephen Chow from Hong Kong. I almost picked Kong. that. Of course he did. So this and Kung Fu Hustle, and granted he has a lot more movies, is like the duology of great Stephen Chow movies. Yes. Kung Fu Hustle is actually a little bit more tight and has uh, more amazing visuals. But Shaolin Soccer is the movie that got me and just made me guffaw. Kung Fu Hustle is also a little darker as well. So like Shaolin Soccer is much more family accessible, shall we say. So a young Shaolin follower reunites with his discouraged brothers to form a soccer team using their martial arts skills to their advantage. This movie is basically, to picture it, it feels low budget now, but it's wire work on an M- like a ghetto neighborhood soccer field. Wire work? Yeah, like the wire stunts. They're oh, flying okay, yeah. through the air like it's Crouching Tiger, and they're playing soccer, and these guys are so horrible at soccer. But it's one. Of, it feels like an 80s movie because you're like rooting for the team to advance further and further, but it's done in a very, very slapstick yeah, I, I explained it to my kids. Like, picture this like a live action Looney Tunes. Yes, because there's some goofy stuff that happens, but it's all cartoony. Yeah, and recurring jokes that make you laugh the seventh time it's played. I love this movie. I haven't watched it in like 15 years. I don't know if it's it'd still, be the same. It's so good. Is I it? just watched it. It was still. It's still good. Okay, I showed it to my kids. <laughs> but I love this movie. I adore it. Well, because I don't know when we'll talk about it again. I just want to go. And this is an honorable mention. But the, uh, once again, the Untouchables. I just wanted to like throw out a, it, a, like Intouchables, not in, Untouchables. Not Untouchables. The, the Kevin Costner is not that funny. <laughs> no, the Intouchables. <laughs> the the remake was as a 2019 film called The Upside. Uh, but the Intouchables is a 2011 movie, uh, and it's French. After he becomes a quadriplegic from a paragliding accident, an aristocrat hires a young man from the projects to be his caregiver. Um, <laughs> right? Comedy. Uh, how is it so funny? But it's the relationship. And this is, I actually watched it's this. It's so sweet. I watched this movie in uh, in an interpersonal communications class. Yeah. Because it's like the, the different, the way they communicate with each other. And it just ends up being so funny. So real quick pitch for Intouchables. I know it's French. That's weird. Check it out. <laughs> but mine, I cheated because I was going to pick the Intouchables. 
but I realized that this movie hasn't been retired from bacon sale, and I love it still. It's 2007's Hot Fuzz. Yeah. yeah. I know. We love Shaun of the Dead. We've talked about it so much. <laughs> your your uh, international movie choice. It's British. It's from England. It's British. It's, <laughs> what, it, it what are they saying? What are they saying? <laughs> I can't understand some of the words Great they or say. good? What does that mean? I Again, I'm cheating. I gave a French pick, right? But like, it's Hot Fuzz. It's not from America. It's basically American. Well, then what are you going to pick when we choose best action comedy next time we do this? There's, yeah, that's uh, the only choice. There are other ones. I'm just saying. A skilled London police officer after interrogating superiors with his embarrassing effectiveness is transferred to a village where the easygoing officers object his fervor for regulations as a string of grisly murders strikes the town. This is an Edgar Wright movie. This is like a laugh per minute for me. Yes. It, because it's so... After the Romeo and Juliet scene. And granted, the, even the intro has some gems. Well, just just the, when he sits down and has a conversation with, the, with his superior mm-hmm. and they're like, how's the hand? It's a bit stiff. And then they go on and have a conversation about him being transferred. And then yeah. he's like, oh, you want to you want to round this up further? So then his, his supervisor comes in. How's the hand? Bit mm-hmm. stiff. Like they just have it's this weird uh, fast paced, quippy. I uh, love it. The, the editing alone is that Edgar Wright uses is comedy. Yeah, it's, it's visual comedy. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about it a lot with Shaun well, of the even, Dead. I think that is Hot Fuzz, too, where they have everyone in the hazmat suits as they're doing the yeah. cleaning up at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. and they keep getting the wrong person. Yeah. And he, yeah, he's going through the breakup. Yeah. The wrong person. Yeah. yeah. And it's it, I honestly and this is this is this, I was going to offend both of you. I might like this one better than Shaun of the Dead. I've told I've told I people, agree. What? Bacon cell approved. Really? No, that's dare bacon cell approve that. How dare you? I've been oh, waiting for Zach to come on the show. That was rude. They're the, ter- they're the teariest <laughs> like, like, of two. I both. love Shaun of the Dead, but it's like this. I, I, barely. I, I think is I've often said that it depends on what your genre of preference yeah, is. Yeah, and that's what so you is, prefer. Action me. movies more, you're probably like Hot Fuzz more. If you yes. prefer horror movies more and have good taste, I, you'll probably like. I feel Shaun like more. <laughs> I feel like Edgar Wright. <laughs> don't look at me that way. I feel like Edgar Wright came into his own more and learned how to edit movies better, and that's why I feel like this movie is slightly stronger. Then why is World's End slightly lesser? I know. Huh. Still entertaining. It's yeah. extreme. Still tier one. Love it, honestly. But Hot Fuzz is my favorite of this trilogy. And uh, International movie. That's the one. When, when Hot Fuzz. We, I, I cheated. What can I say? I just wanted to talk about it so much. I, that's the one I was watching clips of when, when uh, we arrived uh, here today. I was like watching clips and laughing and going, I should have just watched this whole movie. I love it. All right. I cheated. I'm sorry. Next up, let's go funniest family friendly comedy my pick is from 1987 it's the princess bride oh fabulous dang it i didn't even consider this one yeah because i mean there was a lot of these movies and once again i kind of said this at the beginning you may not think of this as an outright comedy man if i didn't hate you right now i'd really be applauding your choice <laughs> no, look, i love show of the dead you know i love show you, of the dead. you tried to bake and sell and prove it right here it's not like you tried to delete it try to bake and sell and prove it <laughs> there's no official finger boop so it's not done Did, have we cable imax erased the edgar wright trilogy like uh, I, think we did. I believe we did. That's yeah. pretty easy. That's pretty easy. So while homesick in bed, a young boy's grandfather reads him the story of a farm boy turned pirate who encounters numerous obstacles, enemies, and allies in his quest to be reunited with his true love. <sighs> I have so many good feelings about this movie. It, is it more it of a so good feeling movie or is uh, are there, there genuine is comedy. laughs? Like one of my favorite lines in the whole movie, once again, you know, lines out of context. Yeah. But when he's like, when he's talking about the fire swamp and he says, well, yeah. I'm not saying I'd like to build a summer home but here, like but the it. trees are actually quite the trees lovely. Are actually quite lovely. And the look she gives him just cracks me up every time. The entire <laughs> rescue of Wesley going up against these guys. Yeah. It's so perfect. Yeah. That sequence, Vicini, 
uh, in it. Yeah. Right. Wallace Wallace Shawn. Is that his name? Yeah, Wallace Shawn. Wallace Shawn. Uh, he's he's brilliant in this movie. Even even Wesley climbing up the the rock wall and yeah. an ego being like, I could help you up, but I'm gonna have to kill you. <laughs> that is so clever. It's so. Fun. I've heard it. I've heard people try and say that this movie's a chick flick. It's ridiculous. I think it could fit if that it genre. Is, it, it fits so many yeah. genres. Yeah. Yeah. This, uh, I mean, the sword fighting is is literally exhilarating Fencing, and fun. Fighting, revenge, and true love, miracles. Yeah. Taking years away from his life. Like, that's scary when you're a kid. Billy mm-hmm. Crystal. Is, yeah. Is Have fun storming the castle. You think Goodbye. It'll, it'll take a miracle. Bye-bye. It's got so many. Again, we come back to quotable lines. Yeah. Uh, and this movie, um, so after I broke my collarbone in 2015, uh, my mother was with me, and the only movie that she had loaded on her iPad that she had in her car was The Princess Bride. And I'm sitting there in the waiting room and in the like the examination room in terrible, terrible pain with a broken collarbone from a dirt bike accident. Mm-hmm. She's like, here, watch Princess Bride. And I'm like, you know, this does make me feel better. <laughs> yeah. And, Until and your I, shoulders started bouncing from laughing, and I was like, ah! <laughs> and I chose this for family-friendly because... Um, I can't think of too many questionable things in the movie. No, and also this is I've tried to get my it's kids into '80s fantasy movies, and I feel like this is a great gateway for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say so. the only thing is it's maybe some violence. Sure, yeah. there, Pff, but. come on, <laughs> come on. I mean, his shoulder after the the Rous. Yeah, yeah, yeah this is pretty gross, but. Yeah. So maybe a little bit of violence, but overall, I think most people have seen this movie, and uh, it, it's an all-time classic. It really is. It really is. Um, so with favorite family friendly, um, I think this is the only time an animated movie has been mentioned. Have you, you have, don't Not have yet, any no. animated. So I, I stay I, away from it on purpose. I, yeah. I, I went with it because well, we recently started doing movie nights at my, my house and uh, my three-year-old stepdaughter picked this movie and it's one that we've all watched many times as a family and we're all happy every time we do. I always laugh out loud. And this is 2000's Emperor's New Groove. Okay. Oh, great choice. I think this movie is hilarious. That is hilarious. And it's yeah. got... It's, Underrated. It's totally. It's got subtle comedy in it. It's got broad comedy. It's it's slapsticky, ridiculous. Um, and there's, there's just so many random gags in it that you might not catch mm-hmm. until maybe you're an adult or on multiple like watches. Like when he flings open the door at the end, it's just like, what are the odds of the door opening right here? Well, yeah. <laughs> it's just good stuff. And they call out the ridiculousness. Yeah. Or the, the, when they go into Yzma's lair and they, they pull the wrong lever. Wrong and go, lever. <laughs> like, why do we even have that lever? And then, you know, an hour later in the movie... Cusco and uh, Pacha do the same thing. Why does she even have that lever? <laughs> Good running gags. Or the, again, the very end, and this is one that I didn't even necessarily realize, and now my wife and I like look at each other and laugh. It's at the very end where he has the uh, his the head where the water drains out of his nostrils, mm-hmm. and they're uh, they're falling down and like, oh no, this is so bad. And the guy's like, we didn't for the last time, we didn't order a giant trampoline. Yeah, <laughs> it's just there <laughs> randomly. He's like, oh, you could have told me that before I set it up. Yeah, like it's so ridiculous. That's a good one. But uh, throughout all of this, I, I mean, I guess I should give the synopsis. Emperor Cusco is turned into a llama by his ex-administrator Isma, and now must regain his throne with the help of Pacha, a gentle llama herder. It's it's llama a ridiculous movie. How I'm not did a Disney huge, do it? I'm not a huge David Spade fan. He's amazing yeah, in this movie. Yeah, John Goodman's great, super sweet, super funny. Always. Uh, Patrick Warburton is oh, great. Yeah. Uh, Eartha Kitt is great. Like it's got an amazing voice cast. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a Disney movie in a no, good no. way, in a really good way, and. Uh, Extremely funny. If you haven't seen it lately, watch it. It's great. Bring it on. For my pick, I have talked about it before on Bacon Sale, but I wanted to bring it up again because it was the first one that came to mind, and, I, and there's so many other good ones out there. 
I mean, a lot of family-friendly comedies, they kind of dumb down the humor for the kids and mm-hmm. it doesn't make it as fun for the adults. Yeah. But I find Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs to mm, be so good. absolutely hilarious. Good yeah. choice. The synopsis is, a local scientist is often regarded as a failure until he invents a machine that can make food fall from the sky. But little does he know that things are about to take a turn for the worst. Thank you, IMDb. Uh, directed <laughs> by Phil Lord and Christopher Miller in their, this is their, their, their directorial debut. debut. Yeah. This is their first one out there. They've also done the Lego movie. And, and 21 Jump Street. 21 Jump yeah. Street. <laughs> There's kind of a shift there. Uh, this stars Bill Hader, Anna Ferris, James Caan, Andy Samberg, Bruce Campbell, Mr. T, Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> Mr. T's really funny in this. He is. <laughs> And this this is one of those ridiculous movies. It, it's it's eye candy. Like it's like you, you the colors and the way it's all set up and the animation is so fun to watch. But the the story and the jokes are just as entertaining as the visuals. It's clever comedy. It's quick comedy. Like I said, this is terrible out of context. But there's this one part where he builds like this Jello castle mm-hmm. and he invites someone in. and He's like, everything in here is made of Jello. That uh, the piano, the statue, that Jello. And there's like a Jello <laughs> mode made of Jello. I don't know why that cracks me up every time I see it. Uh, this was based on a on a on a book, loosely based on a book. Doesn't have much to do well, with which it. Which is weird because you watch like a Dr. Seuss movies, right? And it's so much filler based on a short story. Yeah. Whereas this one was perfect. Well, it's based on the short yeah, book. Yeah. No one knew the the, the book, and right. then they made the movie, and people are like, "Oh, I'm gonna go read the book now." Yeah. Funny because Lord and Miller, as they're called, the the directors, Mm -hmm. they were actually uh, working on the script and then they were fired because they didn't like the story. They hired another person. Ron Howard? Uh, Probably. (laughs) But then they fired (laughs) them and hired Lord and Miller back. Wow. They reworked the story. They almost got fired again. And then they changed some other stuff and then finally got the movie made. And they said it taught them two valuable lessons, the power of creative collaboration and the importance of emotion in the story. Because this also has a good emotional dynamic. But this is one parents can watch with kids, it, and I watch so many times. And it's enjoy. so rewarding, too, because at that moment, and still, there was a glut of animated movies, mm-hmm. and most of them were bad. Yeah. But kids would go see them anyways. And then you see something like this, which is hilarious for everyone. And I, right? I definitely, like when my kids are like, we're choosing to watch one of those glut of animated movies of all the, the stories and all when that did this, kind of When stuff, did this yeah. come out? Uh, this came out in 2009. Okay, go on. And uh, but like when all these other movies were coming out, I'm like, no, no, kids, let's watch this one. Let's yeah. corral you into the good comedy here so right. you can watch this one. But I, I crack up every time I see it. And we do we do quote this in my house sometimes. So cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Great choice. It's a, it's a movie I forget about. It's a film. But every time someone brings it up, I'm like, dang, that is good. Yeah. I think I'm going to be watching a lot of the movies we bring up tonight. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And Today. apparently there's some that I need to see. So, okay, well, maybe we don't want to watch these next ones because these are the movies we find to be overrated. Overrated. <laughs> That's a sports thing. Good job, guys. Yeah, thank you. It's the things we oh, do. There we go. We like sports. I think I'm starting here, right? Yep. All right. So this is a movie that I was told was the funniest thing. Uh, it was supposed to usher in a new genre, and frankly, it did. It's a movie that by the time I saw it, maybe a little overhyped, and I did not find it funny at all. This is from the director of Old School and Joker. It's 2009's The Hangover. Yep, great choice. <sighs> yeah, great choice. Three buddies wake up from a bachelor party in Las Vegas with no memory of the previous night and a bachelor missing. They make their way around the city in order to find their friend before his wedding. Um, this just it's like I mean, a try-hard bro comedy. Yeah, it's like Bra- yeah. Bradley Cooper is, I guess, really super handsome. Super handsome. In it, but this uh, is an exhausting movie. Zach yeah. Galifianakis. Ugh. The, isn't the 
the bachelor is the he's guy gone the whole time. Yeah, he's got from National <laughs> the Treasure. Guy from National Treasure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I, Ed, Ed Helms coming into fame at the but, time. But Ed Helms, there are like, moments of funny. In get this. it? He doesn't have a tooth. Yeah, yeah. Um, Senior Chang from Community, whatever uh, his name, Ken Jong. Yep. Mm, he's nope. Don't like anything he does. Yeah. Uh, you've got Mike Tyson stuff Mike, is kind of funny. Mike Tyson, I guess it's funny that he's in it, but yeah, that's the overall joke. it. I think I wouldn't say it's bad. But it is extremely overrated it's, it's because like, I think everybody's like, oh, I, I'm going to have that weekend in it, Vegas It's bought day. and paid for by Vegas, right? Yeah. It's like, you could come to Vegas and do crazy stuff too. Oh, isn't it crazy? Stop it. You're going to go to a buffet, yeah. right? You might see Blue Man Group. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember this. In 2009, I saw the drive-in movie and I'm like, this is the movie everyone's talking Every, about? You, everyone was just, just talking about I was about on a drive-in so movie? Much. Yeah. What if the kids in the other theater turned around? Guaranteed they probably did. <laughs> Yeah, I I definitely had um, no positive feelings after seeing it because I was like, this is this is dumb. Here's what I love though: the legacy didn't last because they released a sequel and everyone's like, oh yeah, that formula is the worst. And then the th- they somehow got a third, right? And they're like, hey, we're gonna go back to Vegas. <laughs> Like, no, it's like the oceans that uh, the way they try to do that little direction. Did there. they the oceans movies? Yeah. Did was there more than one? Oh no, Mm-mm. I'm pretty sure there's <laughs> just the one, which yeah. is great. But there's a French movie out there somewhere, but it's a remake, I think. <laughs> All right, Joel. Uh, so for my pick, I chose a uh, movie franchise that has oh. made <laughs> over six hundred and seventy-six million dollars. Jay Roach is awesome worldwide. Overrated. Oh, yes. Or forgotten completely. No, overrated because I've never really liked these movies. Oh, okay. I rem- You're talking about Austin 1997s. Powers, 1997, 1999s, and 2002s. The second time I saw that movie, it was my favorite movie for about four years. I know, and I feel bad <laughs> saying no, first, The first one? Yeah, the first one. I, see, com- I, I think I liked the second one more. What? Are you a Heather Graham fan instead of a uh, uh-huh. Hurley? Oh, Hurley all day. American woman. Save it for Heather Graham versus a, uh, <laughs> I will Elizabeth take, Hurley I show. I will start that fight right now. Uh, Hello, Beyonce. But I didn't get it. The first Austin Powers came out, and I was like, yeah, it's funny. Pretty crude. And wasn't a huge fan of it. Yeah. And then the second one came out while I was uh, away uh, in Portugal, and I I heard people quoting it, and I heard that stupid... Oh, behave. uh, No, no, no. The the song. What's that one? It's not Hard Knock Life. What is the one in the the second movie? Mm, It's Hard Knock Life in the third one. Just the the two of us? Just the two of us. Yes. A beautiful and, stranger. Oh, that was terrible too. Madonna's yeah. a terrible, terrible, terrible song in that one. But I, I thought like, I thought it was going to be funny based on how much people were quoting it. Yeah. And then I watched it, and I was like, that wasn't funny. Then the third movie came out, and that's the one that I bought. It's a bootleg DVD on the streets <laughs> of New York for ten bucks while it was still in theaters. Worst thing I've ever done. Sure. One of the worst things I've ever I've ever purchased. And it was just stupid. I just hated that one. I hated Goldmember as well. I just watched these recently because I wanted yeah, to be like, did. you know, maybe there's maybe they got some fun in them. It was like a Joel miss. It was a can't miss, but it, for you. They were terrible. They were yeah. terrible. Like, really, I watched one of these. They peaked at three stars with the first movie. That's a pretty good score. Drops down to 1.5 for the second movie. Okay, but like the Goes part, back up to two for the third movie. I think it's in the first one where he tries to turn the car around. See, and yeah. that's, that's pretty funny. Like the, the, the problem with these movies when is it's I feel trying like... too hard. I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is I think they are... Uh, they're, the first one's clever satire that just keeps getting undercut yeah. by these... For lack of a better word, what I called them was playground jokes. Mm-hmm. Like the in, in the third... By the time you get to the third one, it literally is... They're telling jokes... That you had told as a kid on the playground, like, oh, I'm going to set this up as a, jo-. like, not a real joke, just like 
a joke you tell. Like yeah. you're just saying things. This was lightning in a bottle for Mike Myers, though. Like it, he rode this wave all the way to. Oh, its he did. Death. They talk about they're going to do a fourth one one day. But I just feel like no. by the I feel like the, these movies, Mike Myers just does whatever he wants, and everyone goes comedy gold. Yeah, that's comedy gold. I, I'll give the credit for the uh, opening sequence of all of these is pretty cool. It is the yeah. the, the cameos are the best really part. Good. The cameos yeah. are the best part. Well, of the, Gold there's Goldmember has the cameo leading into the it's the big dance numbers at the yeah. beginning that I yeah. really appreciate. And I actually but, do like Gospel Power's theme song by Quincy Jones. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. Uh, Soul Bossa Nova. Yeah. I, I I enjoy that song. But wow, these movies are overrated. They were endlessly quoted all the time and still do the same thing. People still quote them. Quoted to death? Yeah. Okay. I, I I put it I put this on my used to be funny isn't anymore. Right. And after talking about it. You want to watch it again? And after you talking about it, I'm like, maybe I need to try these again. I did not enjoy watching these. And I, Look, I think do you, Rob Lowe but, but and Robert you, Wagner together, like they're them playing the same character. Super great. I don't know. Super great. I think it's pretty funny. Because Roblo does right such a good job playing Robert Wagner. He does an impression of him. Yeah, it's funny. Whoop-de-doo. Yeah. I mean, th- is it bad for me now to say that these movies came out when I was seven, nine, and 12? Stop it. And uh, Stop I it saw them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's I think fine. I might have been eight by the time I saw the so first So Playground Austin Humor was your, your vibe. So I think that's why I like him so much. Yeah. Like, See, I was learning how to swear when I was a teenager, and yeah. so I was like, yeah, this is way funny because it's like potty humor. <laughs> and that literal, shows... Literal, literal potty humor. And that that's how immature I was back then. I totally agree, though. Oh, like, yeah. I, Who does number two work for? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's oh. one of the worst jokes in the first one. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm i not a fan. I, I never have been, really. And I watched him again and be like, maybe there's some comedy in here, but it's mostly just bland, immature humor. Yeah. Kent, what about you? From 1980, Caddyshack. Oh, no, it doesn't hold up. I have that one in my, my queue to watch again. This is overrated. It is so overrated. I've seen this maybe one and a half times, begrudging probably the first time I watched it. I don't find this funny at all. An exclusive golf course has to deal with a brash new member and a destructive dancing gopher. This is such an 80s movie. And by that, I mean... worse than Caddyshack, too. Yeah. And by that, I mean great cast, but they're all kind of playing themselves. Like, this is... Great. Bill Murray is playing himself. Oh, Chevy Chase oh, okay. and Rodney Dangerfield basically doing stand up. Only Bill Murray mentioned. Yeah, Bill Murray playing. Is a, it? That feels that feels a little wrong. <laughs> a little wrong. But Wait, he's, we saved him for later. Yeah, but Bill Murray playing a really, I think, annoying character type. Uh-huh. Uh, and the, the Gopher is like really cringy to watch. I I feel like this '80s movie is the kind of like okay, give us a setting. It's like Mad Libs. Give us a setting. Uh, a country club. Yeah. Right. Give us um, a profession, you know, and then it would be golf, like golf. like a caddy, you know, and then it's like, uh, give us three main stars that will just tell dirty jokes and that aren't funny. <laughs> uh, Rodney Dangerfield. Right. And this, and it's supposed to be funny because you have Ted Knight playing this really high strung owner of a golf course mm-hmm. and it ends in this awesome golf tournament, which is not at all. It's, it's so funny how this always comes up on the list of the best of sports movies. Yeah. And it's like, not. No. No. And it's before my time. Like, I'll admit it. Yeah. Still not a fan. And for our final category, we have Still Funny After All These Years. Uh, this is a movie that, what, maybe you grew up with? Maybe it's an older movie? So I had I had conflict here as well because I wanted to give some love to uh, Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton, like of the silent era. So after all these decades, that's I, what you're saying. Literally, yeah, yeah. after all these years, they're yeah. still enjoyable, and they are. 
But we may be doing a silent thing soon. I didn't want to... Teaser. Yeah, a little bit later. Very so I wanted to save that for a little bit later. Quiet it's going to be a quiet show. I, I also <laughs> wanted to show appreciation to the Marx Brothers and Laurel and Hardy and Abbott and Costello. Those great comedians, they kind of set the pace for the future comedies. Sure. But also I know that their humor is very much dated now and some people will not like that. So I went for a movie that I felt has stood the test of time, Sure, was pretty old, but still is enjoyed today by many people, which is why I went with Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh, I consider this for overrated. Me too. Oh, see, you guys are idiots. Um, (laughs) I just watched this one today Yeah, and still highly enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you don't know, King Arthur and his Knights of the Round Table embark on a surreal, low-budget search for the Holy Grail, encountering many very silly obstacles. And it stars the guys from Monty Python. This came out in 1975. But for some reason, when I was in high school, it was the talk of the town. So for me, this was quoted to death, to the point where I didn't like it. And I understand that, that it is one of those movies that definitely is quoted, because it's so quotable. Mm. So many different things in there. What's interesting is, like, this is, like, the Napoleon dynamite of its generation mm-hmm. right you know like which is a terrible comparison do not say that though but it Monty is python is far better than yeah, but it's, dynamite. It's, it has that same energy of like we're going to be ridiculous and quotable well yeah. and they were so monty python was doing their tv show at the time this is i think they said between their third and fourth season and they'd never made a movie before the terry gilliman and uh and uh oh terry gilliman terry jones is it two terry's am i right about mm-hmm. that yeah uh but they did this kind of on the fly and said we'll make them we'll we'll learn how to make a movie as we're making a movie, which is a very terrible way to make a movie, but somehow it works. Somehow the jokes work. This was funded by Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, and a member of Jess Rotol because they love Monty Python so much. Wow. But they had very little budget. As you could tell by the fact they couldn't get horses, so they decided to, they couldn't afford horses really. So they decided just to do the coconut thing, which ended up working in their favor. But this still, like, people still quote this. I still see memes like it's just mm-hmm. a flesh wound. Yeah. And now we see the violence, the violence inherited in the system. And then in 2005, it became spam a lot where it started to hit Broadway. So, I, you know, 70s, it was made. 90s, it was still popular. In 2005, they started making a musical based on it. Still to this day, I see memes about it. I feel like Monty Python Holy Grail is still funny after all these years. Maybe yeah, not for that. you two haters. I nice. get that, though. That, that's a but, good case. Yes. No, I, I think it's definitely funny. Uh, when I say overrated, it's like I think people put it on the peak of the highest, you know, it mountain made it, it tops of a lot comedy. Of um, I still think it's on that mountain for sure, but this, I don't know that's at the top. And this isn't a straight five stars for me. Like there are definitely some lulls in, in the process, mm-hmm. but 4.5 stars. I, if you are in the right mood, like you got to be in the right mood. This, yeah. this is a killer. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> this was the movie where I had to explain to my kids that sometimes death can be funny. Yeah. Because <laughs> the bring out your dead scene, they were horrified yeah. <laughs> when he swacks them on the head. And I was like, oh, no, it's okay. This is funny. We can laugh at it. Have you ever seen Spam a lot? Yeah. I've listened uh, I, to the soundtrack. I, I saw a, a really good production of it locally. And the whole time I was like, I wish I was just watching the movie. Because yeah. the movie is... It's just such a classic. But then you get the songs like the song that goes like this. That's that's good. That's a really good, funny, that funny song. But yeah, what what's your choice, Kent? So this one, I kind of have a cheat. So I hope I don't steal yours, Zach. Because uh, on this one, I wrote, "Don't choose Three Amigos because Joel will." I almost did. Yeah, but I went older, and so I'm like, I really thought you were choosing Three Amigos, so I <sighs> came prepared 
with my alternate, which is Better Off Dead oh, from 1985. Good That's a funny and for me, I, I love, love, love Three Amigos, but I'm going to save that for you guys for another show. There's, there's possibly. somewhere we yes, have to talk about. We should it. clarify once we've chosen, once any of us no, 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 have chosen no, a movie. No, 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 then I'm not oh. choosing it at all. No, that no, no. Not no my what, choice. Well, that's what I'm saying. If any of us have chosen a movie officially, we cannot, none oh, of us can use so it wrong. for a subsequent category okay. show. On this, the, so only, the only cheat was uh, I got to do some that, that uh, because I had never yes. been on before. Yeah. But so, yes. but I am choosing Better Off Dead because I feel like for my childhood, the, the comedies of John Cusack. That sounds so weird, but John Cusack as a, a protagonist, yeah. mm-hmm. it was so good. And so you have this one in One Crazy Summer, which I was just like, these are so funny and they're real dumb. But Better Off Dead, still from from my youth to being a immature teenager that liked Austin Powers <laughs> to even now hearing them say the line, gee, I'm sorry your mom blew up, Ricky. <laughs> like, what? Uh. And there's some dumb 80s stuff in there. There's the ski competition to to solve an issue. There's the music montage in the kitchen, which I'm always like, where does that come from? I don't know. But every time I watch it, I'm like, they could have just cut this out, right? So guys? I'll give the synopsis just in case no one has seen it. So after his girlfriend ditches him for a boorish ski jock, Lane Meyer decides that suicide is the only answer. Way fun, guys. <laughs> ah, Super so fun. Good. It's one of those topics that I'm like, you would never make that no. today. Uh-uh. But it was funny because he's just an idiot. Yeah. And then, uh, however, his increasingly inept attempts bring him only more agony and embarrassment. Filled with the wildest teen nightmares. Thanks, IMDb. <laughs> wow. <laughs> And maybe the teen nightmares is the hamburger music scene. I don't know. And here I'm going to quote a line and it's going to go really poorly. But Lane, I've been going to high school for seven and a half years. I'm no dummy. Mm-hmm. I, I played by Booger from the nerds. Yeah. Uh, I like that's what we know him from. Yeah. <laughs> He's just always Booger. He's also in Supernatural. Oh, he is. Metatron. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good character. But yeah, this movie still gets me. And I know it's a bad 80s movie in every which way. But and also I love the the. uh foreign exchange student from France. So yes. Also shout out to Adam Crump. Uh, this movie has a 1967 Camaro, which is pretty you cool. You had to bring cars into I it. had to. That's a Camaro. It's pretty cool. The 1962 Ferrari 250 GT California. You just said a lot of words. Is that what it is though? Probably. Is that a real car? Yeah, sure. It's Ferris Bueller's Day Off. All right, Zach. All right. Take us home. Mine uh, is a movie that's not that old. It's not even the oldest movie on my list. Uh, I'm just realizing I didn't pick anything from before I was born, which like the 80s. So you're saying still funny after all these months? <laughs> the, the, the 80s had good comedies and I just didn't, didn't pick any of them. Mm-mm. No, I pick a movie that was uh, kind of near and dear to the uh, relationship I have with my wife. We bonded over two different movies, one of them being So I Married an Axe Murderer, which right. you talked about on the Does It Hold Up show. Yes, yeah. we did, decided it did. Did it, did it? Yes, yes. Okay, good. Good. I was a little worried. Uh, and then the, there's this one, which is That Thing You Do from 1996, directed uh, by Tom this is Hanks. such a Zach movie. I Wait, love Wasn't that made in, 19, in the 1950s? So that, and I think that's why it will hold up for a long time, because it's mm. set in, uh, in 1964. Truth be told, I think that's why Monty Python and the Holy Grail still feels yeah, somewhat relevant, because okay. it's set in medieval times. Mm. Uh, the synopsis is a local Pennsylvania band scores a one-hit wonder in 1964 and rides the star-making machinery as long as they can with lots of help from their manager, who's 60s. That would make sense because that's the Beatles time. Yeah. So they, and they were almost like going like, hey, you know, the, the Beatles are also a thing, but we want these one hit wonders and they can do it too. Or, or eaters. eaters. <laughs> yeah, that's on netters. Um, for me, this is, it's just, it's such a, 
it's almost a sweet movie. Yeah. It's yeah. It just got so many fun, quotable lines. My wife and I, we can sit down and we actually have that, like, that thing you do day every year. And we actually can quote the entire Steve movie. Steve Zahn is hilarious. Steve Zahn is so funny in this movie. Oh, I'm not with these guys. I got a pig over the livestock, at the livestock pavilion. And I'm, I'm going to win that blue ribbon. ribbon. Uh, yeah. See, it's funny when you quote it, yeah, right? Okay. Right, listener? It's so funny. because <laughs> Everyone's like, mm, sure. Yeah. Mm, great. The man with really nice camper wants to put our song on the radio. Give me a pen. I'm signing. You're signing. We're all signing. Like, what is it? Steve Zahn, who knew he was so funny? I don't know. I did. The world. <laughs> the world. He's underrated. He really is. Especially. Uh, he needs better roles. Oh, yeah. Totally. It was it's very subtle. But uh, on the fruit show, my wife dropped a Steve Zahn quote uh, from, what is it? Uh, from You've Got Mail. It's like, I'm going to go to the nut shop where it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> what a dumb quote. We say it all the time. But anyway, that thing you do to me is just so fun. And it ca- it's like a little time capsule that even though it's set in the 60s, it still feels like the 90s. Yeah. And uh, Tom Everett Scott is really charming as guy. Yeah. And uh, and Liv Tyler is, I think, you know, an awesome the girl uh, in this movie as well. Uh, Tom Hanks gives a good performance and I think directs it well. Uh, the music is great. It's well, the first and second CDs I ever got were Backstreet Boys Millennium and the That Thing You Do soundtrack. <laughs> it's a good 90s mix there. It's really weird. So I listened to this music constantly uh, and had so much fun doing it. And the song truly is like a catchy, catchy it's tune. great. Yeah, Adam Schlesinger from uh, Fountains yeah. of Wayne. From Fountains of Wayne wrote the song. And it's, I want to watch this movie right now, even though I could quote the entire thing in my brain. Um, I will be watching this every year for the rest of my life. I think it will hold up. Great choice. So there you go. There's our picks for uh, some of the, our favorite comedies, some of our least favorite comedies. Right. We, we talked about it. We're probably going to, if you like this, let us know. We're, we're going to do an episode down the road. So many movies we haven't covered. Honestly. So many. But we hope you played along and let us know what your picks were for each one of these 10 categories that we had. And then uh, we can critique them and make you feel angry at times. But uh, let us know on Facebook. Let us know on Instagram. Let us know on Twitter. We want to hear from you. But before we go, we'd like to give some love and laughs to our patrons, including the I'm the Listener tier, which includes <laughs> Sir and Madam Hicks, Shannon West, Sean Sandquist, Scott Sprague, Ryan and Marley, Rocky and Steph, Lady Terry Finley, Johnny English the Brick, Jennifer Kilkowski, Jake the Cooler King Swallow, Glow Clendaniel, Debbie Foster, Chris Drought, Casey Cummings, Brayden Winterton, Angela Plotz, Andrew in the Dark, Alicia Bass, and Adam and Rachel Crump. And then we have our Bacon Council, which includes the one, the only Chris Anderson, Stephen, everyone's favorite Ross, Star Wars expert Kyler, Pants, our favorite couple, the Madsons, Nicole Sitton in the Sinbin Hale, Josh Hansen, Her Royal Highness Jessica Terry, Beaker, and Allison Gall. Thank you, patrons. Love Thank you, patrons. you listener. Patrons, I, I love you. If I can do anything for you, please let me know. Watch about time. I, okay. I That's will. what they want. But if you want to find me, you can find me at 76 Joel on Twitter, or you can find me performing equipments. They perform at the Midvale Performing Arts Center. For more details, go to qwcomedy.com or go to the QuickWits Facebook page. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Kenny3DD. You can read my movie reviews at ShowtimeShowdown.com. Hey, if you'd like to talk comedies with me in person and maybe even give me money for a haircut as well, visit Blake'sBarbershop.com. Also, you can reach out to me on social media. Go at Tumbling Mustard on Twitter and Instagram. But more importantly, make sure you're following Bacon Sale on social media. Please like that Facebook page and like also maybe like the posts as well if you do that. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bacon Sale as well. While you're doing that, go to tpublic.com slash Bacon Sale where you can get some fun t-shirts and all sorts of other stuff. 
and uh, shoot us a shoot us a message if you got another shirt idea. Maybe we should get something out into the store again soon. tpublic.com slash bacon sale. And then if you like what's going on here and you want to support us further, visit patreon.com slash bacon sale where support for our show starts at just $3 a month. Uh, you can get access to all sorts of behind the scenes content, uh, photo shoots, uh, that happen for the episode art mm-hmm. notes that get put up there, video reviews and all sorts of just uh, hilarity. That's mm-hmm. patreon.com slash bacon sale. So until next time, one morning I shot an elephant in my pajamas. How he got in my pajamas? I don't know. Surely that's not your outro. That is my outro. And don't call me Shirley. What happened? When did you decide your heart no longer felt joy? He saw Fight Club. Might have our tight hour show, Joel. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Yes. Either. Despite what the principal thinks of that. Oh, I'm an adult now. Dang it. I remember just not liking pubert. Yeah. Pubert's weird. Pubert's weird. What do you have, Joel? <laughs> I have a, an ulcer and a stress headache. The magic eight ball told me to pick this one. <laughs> I shaved a mustache to go see Anchorman 2. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a good moment. Like, Mr. Boogity is an Oscar winner compared to Saturday the 14th. I feel like Saturday should be reserved for Saturday's Warrior. <laughs> it's a special they day. Should, they should trademark that day. Maybe. <laughs> I know it's French. That's weird. Check it out. No, that's Dear Bacon still approve that. How dare you? I've been waiting for Zach to come that on the show. That was rude. There's no official finger boop, so it's not done. Stop it. You're going to go to a buffet. <laughs> right? You might see Blue Man Group. Oh, see? You guys are idiots. It's like a Ginger Hugh Grant. Filled with the wildest teen nightmares. That's me. Who are these children coming down, coming down? We are the three amigos. We I, are the three amigos. We are the three amigos. Uh, amigos. <laughs>